We are uh, to the last two um, lessons here on the doctrines of Scripture. We've taken 24 weeks so far to look through the, the various doctrines of Scripture and spent quite a bit of time on the doctrine of the church. We're now moving to the doctrine of the kingdom, which really has a lot to do with the church, but also with national Israel. And um, so we want to finish this final doctrine before we look at some uh, serious application, that is how this is going to be applied to our lives, all these doctrines that we've looked at. What does this mean for us? Um, And so that's what we'll spend our time doing next week, looking at the pursuit of holiness. All right, so let me pray, and uh, and we'll begin. Father, we thank you that all of history will culminate at the point when Jesus reigns as King on the earth, and we long for that day. We we look for His appearing that precedes that day, and we we want to be a part of that, and we want to have. Uh, multitudes of others be a part of it as well, and so we pray that you would um, that you would uh, proclaim your greatness throughout the world through us and through uh, our resources as you seek to make your name known to the nations and as you seek to call out people from every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation. Help us this uh, at, at this time to reflect on your word and what it means for the future, and for our present, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Last week we saw that God would deal with uh, the sinful earth and judgment and wrath during the tribulation period. And, um, and this tribulation period is going to prepare the way for the coming kingdom, this kingdom that will come on the earth. And so as a follower of Christ... Uh, you and I are already citizens of the kingdom. We are citizens of a future kingdom. That's why we often sing, this world is not our home. We're just passing through, right? All right. What? Okay. Have to wait a little few seconds here. Um And this should be a this should be a great comfort. The fact that Christ is going to be the King and that we are going to be citizens of His kingdom um, should be a great comfort to us because we will be able to participate in this kingdom. We will be on uh, the winning side, so to speak. So we want to see several things about the kingdom. We'll start with the time, the timing of the kingdom, when it will be. Uh, first, in order to see this, we need to recognize that it it happened or was proclaimed in the past. It was announced in the past. Um, turn to Second um, Samuel chapter 7. This is really the establishment of the Davidic reign, the reign of David as king and his descendants. That Remember, he, he asked God, I, I, I'd like to build a house for you. And God says, well... You know, that's great, David, but actually I'd like to build a house for you. And the house that God was referring to was was a a line, a a um kingly line that that is that that his descendants would reign as uh kings and that ultimately he would have a descendant who would reign as king forever. So, 2 Samuel 7, 
Would someone read verse 16? Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. All right, so here's God speaking through the prophet to David, and he says, Your house and kingdom will 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 reign or endure forever before me that that it will be established forever and so the the uh the old testament saints would have been expecting the kingdom to come they would have been looking for the kingdom and when Jesus came on the earth um that's the first blank there expected in the old testament when Jesus came on the earth he offered this kingdom to the Jews that is that if you will accept me as the messiah as i am then the kingdom is here. The kingdom is, is never, has never been closer to you than it is now. In Luke 17, 21, he says the kingdom of God is among you. It's, it's so close you can almost taste it. And all you have to do is acknowledge me, accept me as king, the leaders and the, the nation as a whole. Not every single one necessarily, uh, just as will be the case at the end of the tribulation. We'll talk about that here. But remember... Uh, John the Baptist came announcing, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And then Jesus came announcing the very same message, repent, the kingdom of God is near. And um, and so this kingdom was offered that this the Old Testament saints recognized that there was going to be a time on the earth when when the Messiah would reign. They didn't know who specifically this would be, but it would come through David's line and that he would reign as king over the whole earth. And uh, they knew a lot more about it. As the prophets started to come, they found out many great things about the kingdom, like the lion will lay with the lamb. It, it, it will be, it, it'll be a reversal of the curse that has been placed on, on uh, the creation. And so they were looking forward to this, and Jesus comes and says, here you go, here's the kingdom. Just accept me as the Messiah, as I am. But, of course, we know that, that the Jews rejected him. They rejected him. Um, and as they found out more about him, they grew in opposition to him. It was as if the more he showed them that he was in the Old Testament and that the Old Testament pointed to him, and that the more they saw his signs, the more frustrated, the more uh, envious and covetous they became of him. And uh, ultimately, they rejected him. And if they had accepted Him, I believe the kingdom of God would have come on the earth at that time. Um, and uh, one of the things that Joel, Joel um, prophesies that will happen before the kingdom can come is that, that the Messiah will, or, or that there will be many signs and wonders. And the fact that Jesus came with all these signs and wonders, performing miracles, was legitimate. He, he was able now to provide a legitimate offer of the kingdom they, of course, rejected it. And so now these signs and wonders are going to come again. Uh, we'll see it in, in the book of Acts. And then they reject it there as well. And then it's offered not again until the end of the tribulation. That's when the signs and wonders will come. And then uh, the Messiah will come Himself and, and reign as King. So they rejected it. And so as a result of their rejection, their, their rejection was a blasphemous uh, rejection. It was... You know, the signs that you're doing, Jesus of Nazareth, first of all, what kind of Messiah comes from Nazareth? Such a dirty, nasty town. No, no, no Messiah would ever come from, 
Has anything good, remember the phrase they used to say, has anything good ever come from Nazareth? Okay, so, so he's not coming from there. What they didn't realize is that he actually came from Bethlehem and he grew up in Nazareth. And, and their, their rejection of him was a blasphemous one. They said, your works, your miracles are done through Beelzebul, through Satan. And, of course, uh, that, was their, that was their unpardonable sin. That was their official rejection of him which was a culmination of their hatred of him, uh, certainly leading to his crucifixion. And so that means that the kingdom now would be postponed until a future time. Christ rejected at his first coming, showed that he was the king. In fact, he even uh, fulfilled the prophecy in Zechariah that he would come riding on the foal of a donkey, right? And, um, and this was his what is known as the triumphal entry but um but there were very few at that at that uh at that ceremony i guess you could say there were very few people there and if the jewish nation would have accepted him as a whole that would have been his it really his coronation instead it was uh a precursor to his death and so the kingdom was postponed until a future time he's rejected at his first coming but at his second coming he will not be rejected uh there will be uh, the Jewish nation will come and and uh, repent. They will they will recognize that the that Christ is the Savior and that He must be trusted. Listen to um, why don't you turn to Matthew 21? Perhaps it'd be better just to see it for yourself. Matthew 21. See that the kingdom is postponed until a future time. Following the triumphal entry at the beginning there in chapter 21, then look down to verse 43. Verse 42, he quotes from Isaiah, I think it is, um, uh, that the stone that the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. And then he says in verse 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. There's going to be a people that comes along and accepts the kingdom for what it is, accepts the king for who he is. And who would these, who would this this people be? There will come a people. What he's talking about is not, okay, you Jews rejected me, so I'm going to get rid of you, and now I'm going to give it to another ethnic group. It's not what he's saying. The, the kingdom is still for the Jews. They are going to be a, a primary feature of the kingdom, but... But what he's saying is there's going to be a future of your people. There's going to be a future group of your people who will come and accept me as king and accept the kingdom for what it is. And so it's going to be postponed until that time. Because there had to be, according to Joel chapter 2, there had to be repentance on the part of the Jewish nation before the kingdom could come. And so that means that the kingdom is going to be established in the future. That the king, the kingdom will be established in the future. And we know, according to the the um, the book of Revelation and and the Gospels as well, that this time will follow the tribulation. There's going to be some horrific judgment that comes upon the earth for rejecting the King, and that will be this time period, the seven-year time period, that's known as the tribulation. 
the beginning of the day of the Lord, the time of judgment, the the um, the day of trouble that it's called in the in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter twelve talks about this as well. Daniel chapter eleven and twelve. So the kingdom will follow the tribulation, and it will begin with the second coming of Christ. Okay, so the tribulation doesn't begin with the second coming of Christ. This is what we talked about last week. The the um, the tribulation doesn't be, begin the second coming of Christ, but but the kingdom will when Christ comes, which comes at the end of the tribulation. Remember, the tribulation leads up to this culmination, which is the Battle of Armageddon, where all of the forces in the world are opposing Christ and come to defeat Him and His armies. And really, Jesus doesn't need His armies. He He simply destroys them with the sword of His mouth, Revelation says. And so at the end of that time, that's when He will have been there. And then that leads directly into the 1,000-year reign, the kingdom, the millennial time. That's Remember last week we said millennium means... 1,000 years, and that really is the next point. It will last for a millennium, a millennia. Millennium, not sure. Um, it's a thousand years. It will last for a thousand years, and that's established in Revelation chapter 20. Would you turn there in Revelation 20? It's um, I think the clearest passage that we have in Scripture for the timing or, or the length of the kingdom, how long it lasts. And I've pointed your attention to this before in other classes as well as when when, uh, I preached through this section. But I just want to show you, notice how many times the phrase thousand years is used. Then I saw, verse 1, an angel coming down from heaven holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not see the, deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones and they sat on them and the judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with Him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out and so on. Okay, so anybody count how many times that was? Okay, so in, in those few verses, we have the thousand years. And if you follow the chronology of Revelation, which doesn't always go in a chronological order, there are some times where it, 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 um, it foresees what will happen or it looks back to things that have already happened. Uh, but here, it seems to be that following the tribulation, you have this millennial kingdom, this 1,000-year reign. And so now what we want to do is is look at uh, who will participate in this kingdom? Who are who is it that's going to be a part of this kingdom? And first, obviously, we have to have the king, right? Uh, the king. Did I miss any blanks for you? You got everything? Okay. All right. Christ the king. 
Christ fulfills the three offices that were established in the Old Testament that could not be fulfilled with an ordinary sinful human being. The office of prophet, priest, and what? King. Okay, Jesus fills all those offices. In the Old Testament, you have all three of those offices being filled with sinful human beings. And there were some great ones in each of those three offices, prophet, priest, and king. But there's a problem with each one of them, isn't there? Okay, not only do they sin, even the best of them did what? They died, right? They, you have David. He had a great time serving as king, 40 years. And yet, he comes to a time where he has to die. And so, he has to be replaced. But Jesus fills all these three offices perfectly without sin and He lives forever. So, He makes uh, a perfect prophet, perfect priest, and a perfect king. And this, these will be His roles in the kingdom. So, so, first participant in the kingdom is the king. Second is the king's bride, which, of course, is the church. We, are the, we will be the glorified church. That is, that, that Christ will rapture us before the tribulation period, Okay, we will be up in heaven with Him, remaining there until the time when He comes back down. During that time when we're in heaven, we as His bride will marry Him, as the Scriptures talk about. We'll have this marriage and this marriage supper. The Lamb will enjoy this, this feast. And, um, and what normally happens when you have a marriage in the Old Testament type of customs is that you would first go to the... To the um, to the bride's hometown and and spend time there and have a feast and things like that. And so that will be the millennial kingdom. Right? Then then after that, you would spend the remainder of your time, you'd go back to the groom's hometown and you would have a feast there and then you would live there forever. And so that's what's going to happen. We're going to have the millennial kingdom, the bride's hometown, right, on the earth, and then the eternal kingdom. That's Christ's new heaven, new earth. This is... This is our home. This is the home that I've been working to prepare for you. So the glorified church. We currently are presently citizens of the future kingdom. Uh, Philippians 3.20, for example, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.13, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom, the realm of His Son that He loves. We are currently citizens of that kingdom. And we will reign with Christ. Okay, we have a different role than the the national the national Israel. Okay, national Israel will be the citizens of the of the millennial kingdom. We will be kind of like the queen. The, we will be sitting on thrones with Christ, reigning over this national Israel. Um, and. Uh, this is seen in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, that to him who overcomes, I will give the right, the right to sit with me on my throne, speaking to the, the seven churches, remember, which represent all churches. So we have the king, we have the bride or the queen, and then Old Testament believers. Um, Old Testament believers will be a part of the kingdom as well. This is was revealed to... Daniel and the old and the Old Testament saints that that there will be a resurrection at the close of the tribulation that will where where the dead uh, the Old Testament 
ones who have been in the ground will be raised, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, and they will be raised to live in this kingdom with their king. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39-40 say that believers in the Old Testament were all commanded for their faith, yet not one of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That, that there is a connection that they have specifically to Christ, but, but also to us, that with our resurrection, they will join in, in resurrection. We will be resurrected at the... At the um, at the rapture. So we have the king, we have the bride, and then we have Old Testament believers, and then we also have this other category of believers, believers from the tribulation. Right? There's going to be several who will be saved, thousands who will be saved. We know of at least 144,000, but probably more. Those are just Jews, but there's probably more Jews and Gentiles in addition to, to those who are saved. And, uh, and these will be saved during this really difficult time on the earth. Um, you have uh, believing Israel that was a part of the tribulation and also believing Gentiles who will be a part of the tribulation. People who come to a saving knowledge of Christ during that seven-year period of, of judgment. And then, you may have already saw this, but unbelieving children of the tribulation saints. Now remember, those tribulation saints who endure all the way to the end Okay, not having turned away from Christ, persevered all the way until the end, and not having been martyred. Right? Some tribulation saints will will be uh, will be killed during the tribulation, but the ones who survive will actually make it into the kingdom in their mortal bodies. Okay, we, because we will be will be raptured, we will actually have glorified bodies at that point. We'll enter the tribulation, or I'm sorry, not the tribulation, the the kingdom with glorified bodies, they will enter the kingdom with non-glorified bodies, mortal bodies, bodies like we have right now, which means that they will be able to reproduce. We will not. Uh, remember, Jesus answered this question to, I think it was the Pharisees who were asking them all these difficult questions. And, and Jesus says, remember, in heaven you're neither married nor given in marriage. The angels are not that way. You will not be that way. And... But, but these tribulation saints will not have been glorified at that point. Now, they will at the end of the millennial kingdom, leading into the eternal kingdom. They will have their glorified bodies. But during that 1,000-year reign, they're going to be able to reproduce. And that means that every person, because of our representative head, Adam, is born in what? In sin. Okay, So that means even during the millennial kingdom, these children will be born in sin. And so that means that's why we say unbelieving. You say, how could an unbeliever be a part of the kingdom? Well, they're not really a part of the kingdom. They 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 enter in after the fact, and uh, and they show themselves to be unbelievers at the end of it. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But there will be some who come to Christ. I hope you understand. It's going to be a great environment for a person to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But but certainly there will be many, as we will see that. That will reject him. Any questions on the timing of the kingdom or the participants? Vicki? Um, how would you prove to somebody when they say the thousand years is like the thing? How would you prove it was really Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. That's a difficult one. Um, 
Um, I would take them to Revelation 20 and ask them to explain, put the onus back on them, ask them to explain how do you, how can this see, be seen as anything other than literal? Uh, what what um, people who spiritualize text and and make it as non-literal um, text, they, they have to do that for more than just that. So it's not like they can just come to that one phrase and say that that's referring to a long period of time. Um, um, so, so I would take him to Revelation 20. I think that's the best proof for it. But as far as really proving, hey, it, it, you have to believe this way, um, I mean, I think that's just a matter of the spirit having to change their hearts. I, I don't, I don't know how else to answer that. It's a tough one. Trish. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I think they probably would point to like, is it James that says for a day to the Lord is like a, what is it, a thousand years, and it's always there you go. You know that's that's not speaking literally, or 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 maybe if it is speaking literally, then for for God it's just a period of time, and for us it's you know we, we have no idea. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one, but I think when you look at the whole of Scripture and see that they're looking for a king to actually come and reign for a clear portion of time and for all the things that have have to happen before the kingdom and after the kingdom, if it's just an indeterminate amount of time, then when do those things take place? Like, when does the tribulation take place? When does the great white throne judgment at the end of the kingdom take place? I mean... It, Right, Satan's bound for so how long is he bound? Is he bound right now? I mean, he can't be bound right now. So. Right. All right. Let's look at the nature of the kingdom. Good question. This will be um, a culmination. Remember, when we talked about history, how to study history, we it's not. Circular. That is, we don't just keep repeating things over and over again. We're just going in a spiral and nothing's ever happening. When you think of history, you should think of it as linear, okay, on a line. So that it starts at a certain point and it culminates to a certain point. Okay, that, that is leading to something. And this is really what it's leading to. It's leading to the, the millennial reign of our Lord. Um, this will be the, the focal point of history talked about, I think, some scholars suggest that one-third of the Old Testament talks about either the kingdom or the king, that is, the Messiah. One-third of the Old Testament speaks of it. So they, this was a very big part of the Scriptures. And, uh, of course, it's not even to mention the, the New Testament passages that are put on it as well. So this will be the focal point of of history. and And the kingdom is a time... It will be a time of universal transformation. Okay, we are not in the kingdom age right now. Some believers commonly mistake and say that we're in the kingdom or there's some p- form of the kingdom that exists right now, but but it's not because it's a one thousand, it's a clear one thousand year uh, period of time that will happen still in the future. And because we are United with Christ, we are guaranteed to be citizens of the kingdom. I know this from John chapter three, right? If um, unless 
a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, right? So, so in order for a person to be a citizen of that future kingdom, they have to be born again. And when we are born, born again, the implication from that is we will be a, a citizen of that future kingdom. And uh, so what some people like to do, as Dr. Dawson, when he was teaching through the kingdom last summer, what some people like to do is they take this idea of the kingdom and all these different aspects, we'll look at these, and they like to pick and choose which ones they want. And, and Dr. Dawson's point is that you can't pick and choose. The kingdom comes all at once. It's not we're going to have one aspect of the kingdom now in the church age, like we're living right now, but then we have all these other aspects changing later. And uh, so let's go through these aspects of the kingdom and then I'll, I'll try to explain um, what he, he meant by that. First, the spiritual aspect of the kingdom. That everyone who enters the kingdom from the beginning will have experienced spiritual birth. They will have experienced spiritual birth. That means that an Old Testament saint is going to be a part of it, remember? So they will have had to experience spiritual birth sometime in their lifetime. New Testament saints, uh, the bride, the church, and then you've got the tribulation saints. All of them will have had to experience spiritual birth in order to enter this kingdom. There's a spiritual aspect. It's going to be a great time to, to be alive. It's going to be a great time to be a servant of Christ because, uh, because it will be a spiritual kingdom. It will also be a political uh, kingdom, a political transformation that will take place. Jerusalem will become the capital of the world. And the Messiah will rule from there, from David's throne. That's what the Old Testament is talking about, that He will rule on David's throne. That there is one coming from you, David, who is better than you. And, um, and so we will have a monarchy. You know, sometimes we think of dictatorships, you know, that's not a good thing, or a monarchy, that's not a good thing. But, it, but only if you don't have the, the right king. Okay, here we will have a monarchy. We will have Jesus reigning as king and it will be a good it will be a good kingdom. There's also social social transformation. Okay, so spiritual, political and social. It'll be a time of perfect peace. Right? Not just among people. There's not going to be conflict among people. Uh any of these unbelievers that I talked about before who commit any sins openly will be judged openly. It'll be taken care of. In fact, we will reign. That's part of our reigning uh, is that we will evaluate evidence of of various cases that come up and have to determine what was right and what was wrong. Now, the problem with us is we can't see the heart, and that's why there's going to be lots of people who deceive us all the way till the end, but they won't deceive the king. And he's going to, to uh, release Satan at that point at the end of the kingdom, bring all those people, and they'll try to defeat him and that will be their final demise. But it'll be social transformation. It'll be complete peace. So if you ever hear people, you know, pray for peace. Pray for peace in the world. There will be peace, and we should pray for peace in, in the world. And we should pray for Jerusalem to, to reign at, as the center of the world. But, but recognize that's not going to come in our lifetime. That's going to come during the Millennial Kingdom. And that will be a great time to be on this earth. There'll be social equality. Economic blessing. Remember, in the Old Testament, talks about all these abundant harvests that will come. I mean, we will just be overflowing with 
with goods. We, we won't even know what to do with all of it. It will also be a f- time of physical transformation. Right? This is what I was talking about before where you know, no longer will lions have, be, be carnivorous. Right? They're going to have to eat something else because they're not going to, to be eating the, the sheep and, and whatever other type of smaller animals because they're going to be in perfect harmony with one another. It's going to be a physical transformation. No more disease will plague your body. Do you, do you groan right now with the rest of creation for that time when Christ will reign? Well, this is it. When Christ reigns, you will have no more disease. There will no be, be no more uh, sadness or tears because you know your loved one died or something like that. That's not going to happen. Time of great physical transformation. No more violence on the earth either. Also, a time of ethical transformation. Um, the kingdom is going to be established with a clear set of rules of what is right and what is wrong. And so there will be uh, not only an establishment of that, a clear, a clear uh, picture of what is right and what is wrong, but also there will be a a conformity to that standard that everyone will have to conform to that. Obviously, those who are spiritual will will do that just by our very nature. We're no longer sinful and want to pull away from rules or from our superiors. We will we will want to to uh, follow those, but there will also be obviously some people with sinful natures and so but they will be forced to conform to it. So it's not going to be a chaotic society. There's not going to be uh, a longing for a greater time necessarily where we're, you know, man, I really wish things were better. I really weren't wish there weren't so many traffic accidents or you know, unjust sufferings going on in the world. It's not going to be like that at all because of this, uh, these transformations that will take place. And then, of course, the religious transformation. No longer is there going to be a, you know, a smorgasbord of religious views that we have to try to get people to, to determine which one is the right one. No, Messiah is going to be revealed as the King to the whole world. Everyone's going to know and everyone's going to follow Him. He will be the universal prophet, priest, and king. One world order. Again, you know, we, we talk about this in a negative light, like, you know, one world order, that's not really a good thing. But this is actually a really good thing when it comes to the kingdom. And again, that's not going to happen in our lifetime. It's going to happen in the millennial kingdom in the next life for us. At the end of this time, at the end of this time of, of great uh, prosperity and and um, and fellowship with our Savior, there's going to be a time, as we read in Revelation chapter 20, where Satan is released. Satan's going to be released. Uh, first, he's going to be bound, but then he's going to be released. And, and during this time, uh, obviously, this this helps to paint the picture of what the millennial kingdom will be like. That that during the kingdom, we don't have Satan and his demons plaguing us or trying to to create war and conflict. Now, there still will be conflict within certain people, unbelievers, because you remember like we talked last week in Galatians chapter 5, that there's a war going on within us as people who are uh, led by the, the Spirit and led by the flesh. But So that's still going to be going on in the unbelievers and the people who come to Christ during the millennium. But for those of us who are glorified there's not going to be any plague or temptation um you know should i do this or should should i not you know it's going to be a time where the dragon the ancient serpent of old the devil satan is bound for 1000 years 
At the end of the kingdom, this got a little ahead of myself, Satan will be released. We saw this in verses 7 and 8 of chapter 20. And um, we often think, well, why would Satan be released? Or why would he be imprisoned just to be set free again? Why not just imprison him or throw him in the lake of fire right at the beginning of the millennium? At the end of the the battle of Armageddon, right at the end of the tribulation, why not just throw him into the lake of fire? Why bind him and then release him over here? And the Scriptures don't give an explicit answer, but I think we could probably say that it's to reveal what is in the hearts of these people who have been conforming only externally. The people that have been playing the game for the thousand years. At the end of that time, Satan will be released and they will rear their ugly, sinful heads, so to speak. At that time, they will... Get, Satan will gather people from the four corners of the earth to to bring um, together this big army to try to defeat Jesus there at Jerusalem. Obviously, they will be destroyed. That will be their end. Mark? Um, one could expand that question and say, why is he permitted at all? Right. Yeah, exactly. Why is he permitted now? Why not? Why not right when he fell from heaven, right? Why not judge him then? And we don't really know the explicit answer for that but what we do know is that God is in control and that um, and that Christ will ultimately win alright Satan will be released from bondage all who uh, rebel against him will lose they will suffer defeat according to verses 8 and 9 we didn't read those verses but, but that's where it is there in Revelation 20 and then following that you have the great white throne judgment okay, this is when the time when all unbelievers are judged small and great stand before the great white throne judgment and have to give an account for their sin and obviously they're not going to be able to to do anything to cover up their sins because there's only one thing that can cover their sins and what is that a perfect life on their part no the perfect life of christ the perfect sacrifice the blood that covers atones for their sin and and they don't have that to apply to their account because they never believed in faith they never trusted in Him as the only means of their salvation, no matter if they were an Old Testament uh, you know, person or a New Testament person, church age person, tribulation person, millennial person. It doesn't matter. If they didn't accept Christ, they will have no ground to stand on. And so that's when they will be sent to the lake of fire along with Satan and all of hell. Okay, Hell is this uh, temporary holding place, this temporary judgment place that will be thrown along with Satan and all these unbelievers into the eternal lake of fire. Not a place that anyone would want to go. And that will lead to the eternal kingdom. Look over one chapter to chapter 21, Revelation. The eternal kingdom. So the millennial kingdom gives way to the eternal kingdom immediately following the Great white throne judgment, apparently. The old heavens and earth are destroyed, and here's what comes. Verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And so, now all these great aspects of the of the millennial kingdom will now transfer to the eternal kingdom. That it will be a place of peace and, and social... Um, Social perfection and uh, obviously one one God to follow. No no uh, no question 
that will be a perfect place of physical safety and and prosperity and so on. That will all continue in the new heavens and, and the new earth. So, let me go back to what I said about Dr. Donson, then I'll, um, then I'll open it up for questions. What a lot of people do, you're going to hear this a lot, uh, if you read at all, if you listen to, to people on the radio or something like that, you're going to hear what's known as a spiritual aspect of the kingdom existing now. That right now we have a spiritual aspect of the kingdom and so um, that means that we also need to help with social reform in our day, that we need to bring about the social change that's going to happen in the kingdom. And so what Dr. Dawson is saying, okay, if, if the kingdom is made up of these six aspects, political, physical, spiritual, social, ethical, religious, if they're made up of all of those things, what these people do is they pick and choose which ones they want to keep. Because obviously they can't have uh, physical transformation, there's no physical aspect of the kingdom going on right now, right? The world is still corrupt. It's still under the the curse. And so what people do is say, well, we have a spiritual aspect now. We have a social. We need to make it a social. Uh, the social part of the kingdom happen now. And so let's start making those changes. And what and what uh, what Dr. Dawson I think made clear in his presentation was. We can't just pick and choose. We need to take all or none. That's the way it is. Because in the Old Testament, that's how they understood it. They understood it as a unified whole. We break it down into these six things and say, okay, here's some different aspects of it. But in the Old Testament, they understand it as a unified whole. And for us to pick and choose which ones we want, we break it apart. We break apart that unity, which only will be... It was only there in the minds of the Old Testament believers as they understood it from God revealing it to them. And it will only be that way in this millennial kingdom. We can't take take it apart. That's the idea there. So, do you have any questions before I give some final application or comments? Hope you are looking forward to the millennial kingdom. I, I gave a little bit of application as we were going through because um, I know that there are trials in, li- in life and I know that some of you are going through some trials right now. I mean, our jobs bring trials. Our families uh, bring trials. We experience financial difficulties. We experience setbacks in life, frustration in church ministries, perhaps. And 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 they just seem to be everywhere. You know, we, we seem to get through one of these trials or one of these periods of suffering and then it seems to lead right into another one. There's There, there's, there are very few times in life as a Christian where you you have long periods of of trialless living, right? It just seems to be, you know, that trial back there that seems such a big deal, that doesn't seem as big a deal as the one that I'm experiencing right now. And so they're all over. And the problem is that in this lifetime, they don't go away. They don't go away. That that trials will come. When you enter trials, just... just uh, Make sure that you're you're uh, exhibiting, expressing your face, faith. Sometimes they they cripple us and uh, make it cause us to reflect on our on spiritual things more seriously, and that's a good thing. But if what has been presented this morning is true, then what does that mean for how you deal with trials now? If Christ is going to transform this earth. And the entire economy, all of our lives, 
What does that mean for us right now? How should this affect our view of trials and how should this affect our worship of God right now? I mean, how, do, how, how will it change how we live from day to day? And obviously, I think you can, you can immediately think of several applications. We'll talk about some next week when we get into the pursuit of holiness. But the main thing is we recognize that God is on our side, that God has a plan, that Christ will win, and, and that we will be able to be a part of it. We don't deserve it in any way. We haven't earned our spot there. It all came from grace but we're happy to to be a part of it. And uh, and so it doesn't take away the sting of trials, certainly, but it, but it does give us better perspective as we're going through them. All right, let's pray. Father, we long for the day when You will reign, when Your Son will reign as King and where the triune God will, will reign uh, in our midst in the eternal kingdom. And uh, we know that that can happen today because of our sin and because of the barrier there, that there is between us and your sin and between uh, between uh, our hearts and yours. And so we, we want you to transform us, continue to transform us, continue to eradicate sin from our lives as you pointed out to us and, and as you reveal it to us through your word. May you make clear to us where we need to grow and change. Perhaps it's uh, understanding your character more clearly. Perhaps it's understanding your revealed plan more clearly. May you help us to trust you even in the midst of deep trials, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.